Welcome to the Pursuit of Wellbeing podcast. My name's Maria Brosnan. I'm the founder of Pursuit and your host for the show. This podcast is dedicated to providing wellbeing information, inspiration, and support for teachers, leaders, and school staff around the world. My guest today is Catherine Grice. Catherine was a secondary English teacher for 10 years and head of department. She left full-time teaching in 2016 and now runs the Teacher Empowerment Project, which she founded. She's the co-owner of the Grow Tuition Centre that works with both private students and schools, so thankfully she can still teach. And she spends most of her time looking after her two young sons. She recently began working with migrant leaders, providing world-class mentoring and work experience for migrant and pupil premium post-16 students. And she's also on the board of advisors for Let's Localize and the board of trustees and a passionate advocate for the Coldale and Kirklees Women's Centre. Catherine, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Oh, thank you. That was a lovely introduction. Well, it sounds like you're a very busy woman. Yeah, I guess I am, you know. It's when you when you list it all like that, I think, gosh, I do spin a lot of plates really. <laughs> you do, you do. And I think throwing in well not throwing in, of course, but you know, two little boys in the mix there makes for a busy life. Yeah, yeah it so, does. It well, does thanks but for your it's time. the best bit. <laughs> yeah, I bet, yeah, absolutely for sure. Well, Catherine, let's start at the beginning and can you talk us through your career and why you left teaching full time when you did? Um, so what I would say was I love teaching, absolutely love it. And when I left university, I was a bit unsure what else I could possibly do. And whenever I looked at jobs, I always wanted to work with children. I always wanted to teach. And I just thought, God, how, what a privilege it would be to work um, with students and get to teach them English literature. I just thought it was going to be the best thing in the world. And it was the best thing in the world. I absolutely loved being a teacher. I was a cover supervisor to start with. And then um, an English teacher and then a second in English and then a head of department. And my career sort of went in an upward trajectory, um, but my workload increased and increased and increased. And my life started to shrink a little bit. I was um, teaching nonstop, thinking about students, thinking about data and the bits outside of me as a teacher were getting smaller and smaller and I was putting off having children, actually. I knew the one thing I did know that I, I've always wanted to be a mum. And I found myself thinking, oh, after one more year as head of department, I'll have children or maybe I should get on SLT and then I should have. And then, I, and then it got to a point where I thought, God, that's insane. What am I doing? Um, and yeah, I was doing at the end of my um, time as a head of department, I was sort of doing 60, 60 hour weeks. And that sort of sounded normal to me. That was absolutely fine. And then when I had my son, I realised, actually, this isn't going to work. I'm not going to be able to see the son that I've really, really wanted for such a long time. So I thought, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to step out for a little bit and have a break. And um, then my second son came along and, yeah, the rest is history. And here I am still out, which I didn't expect, really. Yeah. Do you, are you planning to go back to teaching? What's your... I would love it. I do dream about it every now and again. I just don't know with all the plates I'm spinning at the moment. I, well, I guess I still do teach students. I still teach literature to GCSE students. And now we're working with um, schools with the tuition centre. I am getting more of a flavour of being back in the classroom in a bit of a bigger way, which is lovely. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I, I hope, I can't imagine never teaching a class of 30 students again. So I do hope at some point I will 
I will get to do that. But yeah, priority one at the moment is my um, my two young sons. Yeah, yeah, that makes perfect sense. And you founded the the teacher empowerment project. Tell us what that is for starters, and then talk us through your your thinking behind it and what the what the teacher empowerment project actually does. So. Um, the Teacher Empowerment Project is all, it exists to give teachers an ego boost. So when I left the profession, I felt really, I'd gone from earning quite a lot of money. People really wanted to work with me and, um, you know, responded to me as a teacher and responded to me as a professional. And then when I stepped out, I thought I felt so lost and so alone um, and a little bit pushed out by the profession. But it, it was in my head a little bit, but also... It got me thinking what happens to all these teachers. Um, I hadn't gone off for anxiety and depression, but I do suffer from anxiety and depression. And I thought, God, if I had gone off for mental health reasons, I'm sure I would feel even more of a failure than I do right now. And equally, you know, there are people that are made redundant and there are people that need to leave the profession. And it made me start thinking about, and people on maternity leave as well, this whole um tranche if you will of teachers that are that leave the profession or consider leaving or step out of it for a little while are left feeling um anything well they're left feeling disempowered to be honest with you that's how I really felt and I knew so many of my friends had either been through that or were going through that situation and we can't deny really that we do have a retention problem in teaching so many um teachers leave when they get to my age which was um you know I was 30 when I had my first son 30 to 40 a lot we lose a lot of um staff members a lot of teachers leave the profession and I, I wanted to create a space that um supported supported those members of staff and supported those professionals to to say basically to give them an ego boost and to make them realize that they are valuable they've got amazing skills and they shouldn't feel that way they should feel empowered not disempowered um so i created the first event so teacher empowerment it was about face-to-face -face events really to make people who were feeling a little bit lost or a little bit pushed out or whether they should leave the profession to come to a space where they could realize that they're valuable they're worthwhile and they'd be people there um, who were wanting to work with them. So whether it's different sectors, my main sponsor's Novus, they um, deal in prison education. There was um, social work people there in, in interested in recruiting teachers. There was different sectors. Um, the Chartered College of Teaching were there in the Manchester one. So it was like an idea to sort of think about CPD, different careers, well-being um, and ways to empower your students. So it was held in the People's History Museum in Manchester. And it was face-to-face -face, um, sort of transactional analysis, all about talking to each other and sharing experience, maybe receiving coaching, going to workshops and leaving that day feeling empowered and feeling like, yeah, I am valuable. And what was brilliant for me after that first event, which was just a year ago, was the teachers who came who were adamant that they were going to leave ended up um, staying in the profession, getting promotions. Um, teachers who felt really disempowered ended up leaving the, their current context, moving somewhere else and finding their dream jobs in education. And some teachers did leave and are really happy now. And a lot of teachers signed up to work with Novus, which was brilliant. So um, yeah, it was great. And then we had the second event, which was in London. 
but obviously that was um, impacted with coronavirus. So it was on the 2nd of May. So we had to move everything online and now we're all online. So um, yeah, Empowerment Online exists there and it's free for people to view and look at different vlogs and different um, workshops and people who've been through the same experience. And yeah, it centers around the same things again, CPD, well-being, um, careers and di income diversification and ways to empower your students. So that's it in a very, very big nutshell. <laughs> it is a big nutshell. So many <laughs> questions. Um, well, one of the one of the words that really um, leapt out at me in that in that um, introduction, Catherine, was the word failure. That you left teaching when you had your son because you didn't want to, or you know, couldn't sustain that sixty-hour week as a as a head of department in school, and you left feeling like a failure. That like a massive failure yeah I really did yeah it's is that common is I think so. you're well, I, mean, I think yeah. I don't know whether this is just me and the schools I've worked in but I, I sincerely doubt that I've worked in quite a few schools there is something um oh, I don't know there's some there's a bit of a martyr narrative in teaching where you know you work really hard and you're like oh, I'm, I'm working harder than you I'm doing 70 hour weeks I'm doing 80 I've not seen my kid in three years <laughs> Um, that kind of narrative. But alongside that is a bit more of a harmful one where people who put their hands up and say, do you know what? I am struggling and I don't know whether I want to carry on with this. Or um, I think I do need some time off sick. They're not always um, greeted with the same positivity that I think if we took some time and space that we would probably, you know, if you told me that you were struggling and that you wanted some time off, I'd, I'd really think about you as a person. And I'd, I'd want to make sure that you were okay. But when we're teaching, we're trying to get those year 11s through. We're trying to think about the kids. We're trying to, you know, we're on this train that's going at 100 miles an hour and then somebody's off sick. How dare they? Yes. And then somebody's left yes. the profession. Are you kidding me? How dare she? She was a good teacher. Well, you know, and also when your careers and when your educational life has been, you know, on a clear path and on a clear trajectory that you've gone from your GCSEs to your A-levels, your degree, You've gone from second in department to head of department. You're supposed to be on SLT. What are you doing? Leaving to look after your children, your big failure. And I did I did feel like that. Sorry, I just sniffed. That's okay. <laughs> you're, put, you're putting up with my cold really well. I'm grateful. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I did feel like, and I do think as well, the people that came to the Teacher Empowerment Project, I recognise that in them. I recognise that they felt like they couldn't go on and that they were asking for change, but they were also frightened of what people would think and I don't know because you go into it for the right reasons you want to help children and you want to be able to you don't want to let anybody down mm. and you do feel like you're letting people down when you leave the profession or when you step away from it or it's difficult you it's difficult because you feel like you're letting your own children down if you stay <laughs> or you're letting the children down that you teach if you go it's it's tough it is yeah. it is tough and I think for working working women not to explain exclude when men of course but for working mothers there is a real push pull of guilt you, yeah. you just frequently I've had this myself you just don't feel like you're in the right place at the right time when you're at school you feel like you should be thinking yeah. about your kids when you're at home you should be doing some more work and and there's this awful sense of guilt that pervades everything that you do in the end how do you step back from that yeah 
I mean, for me, that was the biggest thing for teacher empowerment. I wanted it to be. So a lot of people saying to me, why don't you just put it in, put it on in a school? And it was really important for me that it was not in a school context and it wasn't institutionalized. It was somewhere that was a brilliant location that felt really good quality. So the People's History Museum, I couldn't think of a better location. Um, and I wanted to give them time and space because that is what I don't think we often give ourselves. We give our ch the children that we teach an awful lot of time and space. We give the children that we, you know, bring into the world a lot of time and space. But how much time and space do we actually give ourselves? And that was a huge learning curve for me that I needed some time and space to think about what was it that would help me as a person? What does it make what makes me feel feel fulfilled and what ticks my boxes and what's going to help me be the best person that I can be, the best mom I can be, the best teacher I can be. And I really want to provide that time and space for other teachers because I just think it's in such short supply. I mean, you know yourself when you're when you're teaching, you know, and somebody says, Why don't you go for a jog or a swim or a you feel like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Like my marking is, you know, past my ears and you're telling me I should go for a run. <laughs> yeah. But actually it's probably what you need. You yeah. Need time it, and it, space. Exactly. Funny. I was, I was just saw a, a, a tweet, a big long thread about that yesterday. And, and it feeds into the narrative, the martyr narrative that you mentioned. And I'm aware I don't want to trigger anybody by, by saying this, but when things become overwhelming, it's that's the time where you really actually do need to do something. And before you burn out, before you're absolutely exhausted and overwhelmed, that that's the time that that step before that happens. And I know, yeah. Now I would say that, but I would also say the conditions have to be right for that to be able to happen yeah. because. Yeah, I can say that teachers are martyrs, but actually not, you know, a lot of them are in, when I was working 60 hour weeks, I wasn't doing that for the love of being a martyr. I actually had that much work to do. I actually had to, yeah. and, that, and that's the tricky thing. I think, that, you know, as school leaders, we have to make sure that we're um, creating the right conditions for teachers not to fall into that martyr trap. They've got to be able to see you take those positive steps and encourage you know, to encourage you to go on and do it as a teacher and to make those time, uh, to make that time and space. And it's the conditions have got to be right for that. I think the context has got to be right because if you're working in somewhere where they just keep piling the work on and piling the work on and not really valuing you as a person, it's going to be really difficult to find that time and space, I think. And that leads neatly to the, the point that you talk about um, quite a lot is flexible working. Yeah. Tell me more about that and, and what the options are, what the opportunities are, how that might look for people listening to this. So um, I always say to um, the people at Flexible Teacher Talent, I think part of the reason that I do the teacher empowerment stuff is so that they have a bigger platform and that they have, um, well, I want to basically say, look at what flexible teacher talent are doing and suggesting and do this please because we will lose we won't lose as many teachers we'll have so many brilliant teachers yeah. staying in the profession yeah. and I think um so flexible teacher talent um Lindsay talks on empowerment online there's a video of her talking about um various different things and one of the things that she does is she interviews Raphael Moss from a primary school and Raphael Moss was asked to um interview his teachers he'd, he'd 
put some flexible working measures in his school. Um, and Vivian Porritt asked him from Women's Ed, she asked him to go back and um, just interview them about their experiences and what having flexible working meant to them. And he couldn't believe it. He said he was expecting, you know, his teachers to say, oh, yeah, that, you know, it's helped me drop my kid off and it's been good. But actually what he found was a lot of his staff were saying, yeah, I would have left the profession had this not been available. And he was gobsmacked. And he talks about that on Empowerment Online. And it's really interesting listening to Lindsay interview him about that because it goes to show, I mean, he's a man, I can't really speak for him, but I wonder, you know, has he managed to navigate um, you know, you were saying about it happens to women an awful lot, This, you know, and it is a higher percentage of women that leave the profession between 30 and 40 than it is men. And a lot of that is because we're facing that midlife juggle struggle of looking after elderly parents or, you know, looking after young children, rightly or wrongly, it falls on our shoulders. And I wonder from his point of view, whether or not he realised just how much that weighs on, you know, female staff. Yeah. and male staff it you know it weighs on us both but until you've lived that experience and you've considered leaving the profession and I think it's such an important piece for for leaders to look at particularly if they're if they're male and they're not I really I like, always like to say to male you know leaders just think about who's behind the scenes helping you do what you're doing in your career why is it that you can just get up at six in the morning and, and come to work and work till whatever time you can. Who's who's holding the fort behind the scenes for you to be able to do that? Because a lot of the time it's people that are like me, you know, that have just had the children and they're having to take steps out of their career. And imagine if you didn't have that, what would that look like for you? I think flexible working is such, such an important thing. And I think it's really a huge piece to answering our retention crisis. Well, I think that it showed up there was some very interesting research during lockdown and during the, the time of COVID that the burden of picking up all of the childcare, all of the homeschooling, well, I, should, I say all, but the majority, the vast majority, there it was, it was women that picked up their stuff and traditionally picked up all of those roles that were left. And I, I don't mean to be divisive. I don't mean to cast any blame onto anybody, but it's it's a consideration. And if we're looking at this huge number of teachers leaving the profession, we've got to be starting to ask why and what can we do to stop that so we don't lose these incredibly talented people at this critical time in their life. And in the in you know, schools have invested a lot these teachers and, and people have invested a lot in themselves and their career. So what do we do? And so tell me, Catherine, what, what could flexible teaching even look like? Give me some ideas. Well, there's so many things that came into my head when you were talking there. <laughs> so there's lots of different things that it can look like. I mean, for me, just being able to pick up my sons a couple of times a week or drop being able to drop them off or being able to attend nursery, <laughs> you know, nursery performances. Um, and they have a huge impact. Um, I mean, I, I'm not the expert, like flexible teacher talent. I would definitely point them, yeah, you in their direction because they've got so many different ways it works and it, you know, shines out of schools that, that do it and they managed to retain so many people but one thing that I wanted to say when you were saying that is what is frustrating for me is to see teachers like myself who you know the government have invested in my education I've you know I've got brilliant CPD courses and records to my name but then I had to sort of step out for my own well-being and for my own family's well-being but then 
the men who are in my position who haven't had to do that, they've still had children, you know, their families have still happened. They've managed to stay on that same course and then they go on to be on SLT or they go on to be head teachers. But they don't necessarily have that understanding of what it is to be in that position. And so that's what I really, uh, uh, you know, something that I really want to highlight to some of those people that have managed to just carry on on that plain sailing trajectory going from head of department to SLT to head teacher. Think about how you've managed to get there um, and who's helped you get there and why maybe some of your really high performing females, why are they not there? And they were there in the 30s. Why are they not there now? You know, we haven't got anywhere near as many female head teachers as we need. And I think that's a big piece um, to helping us get more flexible working because they've lived the experience a lot of the time. A lot of these women have been through that experience um, and they would be, yeah, really helpful in in making a change around flexible working for sure. But yeah, I would say, please look at flexible teacher talents work because they're brilliant and they've got so many different ideas of how it could work, how it could work for you, how it could work for the school. Um, a lot of people say timetabling, it's impossible, it's an idealistic dream, but it's not. It's working for so many different people across the piece. So yeah, please check out their work. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like a great, a, a, a really sensible solution to this because I, I would imagine that many women would like to keep working part-time. I remember when my daughter was small, I wanted I wasn't a teacher, but I was working and I wanted to keep working a bit part-time. And you know, I, I think that there, there's a great value to be had in in looking at that really f- fully and taking that seriously. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. So on your website I read that you said the greatest success from the project has come from seeing teachers invest in themselves, recognize their worth and choose more of the life that they wish to live. Teachers, the possibilities are endless. There are so so many parts to that that I'd really like to break down. So what do you mean when you say um, seeing teachers invest in themselves? So in, in what way? So like we were saying previously, we give so much time to our you know, the children we teach, the children that we raise, um, all the people we, you know, as a profession, we're a giving profession. It's a vocation. We love giving. But a lot of the time we forget to invest in ourselves and we forget to actually think, do you know what? Some coaching might be useful for me here. Or it seems a bit, you know, when you've got so much to do, it seems really indulgent to take time for yourself, to go for that run, to talk to a coach, to think about some CPD, to think about something outside of teaching that is just for you. And I found that when I left the profession, my life expanded because I could fit in all the bits that I'd been shrinking down to non-existent. I could see my friends again. I could volunteer at the Women's Centre as a board member, which I have, it brought me back to life that did. And it's something, you know, something really straightforward as volunteering. I still get to help um and it just really brought me back to life. It made me think, gosh, I'm doing something here for me um, that I love doing. And it, it felt really indulgent to do that in a way. I'm going to be honest with you. It felt really like such an indulgent thing to do is to take time away from my children, not be teaching and, um, you know, supporting at the Women's Centre. I loved it. I, yeah, isn't that interesting that that feels indulgent? Um yeah. 
I'll leave that there because <laughs> we could talk about these. We could go down rabbit holes with every one of these. But I want to pick up the next point, which is how do we help teachers recognize their worth? And that's something I hear so much that that, that teachers feel undervalued, underappreciated. They don't feel the worth or, or value from other people. How do they find that in themselves even? So one of the things, the, the most straightforward thing that I wanted to do for the Teacher Empowerment Project was put teachers in front of people that are outside of the industry and go, look, these people want to work with you, not for minimum wage. They want to work with you for your talent and listen to them talk about the amazing experiences that they've had recruiting ex-teachers. I mean, did teach her whole industry is based around um, recruiting ex-teachers into um industry and it's very successful because we're so passionate we're so creative we're so resilient people love working with us so from a straightforward point of view that's what I wanted them to do I wanted them to see that people think you're amazing but then I guess realizing it them in themselves it's a part of I think a lot of the times and I know I've said this to you before as a teacher we were almost like we work really really hard and we're just dying for somebody to go no you know like we're almost going notice me notice me um head teacher look what I've done is aren't I brilliant and there's a bit of actually going do you know what I've done that for myself I've done that for my children I don't need your thanks or praise or you know this is for me and for my career and for who I am as a person whether it's teaching or whether it's your life outside of teaching investing in yourself I guess it's, I think it's so important and something I didn't do at all when I was a teacher which is interesting yeah yeah and and your final point is um, how do you choose more of the life you wish to live and you describe that and I think I, I couldn't agree more that that we need to choose these things and of course I know it's hard I know especially now that that our lives are packed and teachers lives are completely packed how do we carve out that little bit of time and I think we both work with the teacher five a day principles I teach them in my online course you work with them tell tell our listeners more about teacher five a day what they are and how we can use that as a, as a framework to, to help our well-being so um, Martin Ria has introduced me to the um, Teacher Five a Day principles, and that's why we know each other, isn't it? So his yeah. hashtag Teacher Five a Day, and it's based on the New Economics um, Foundation research. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> looking to you to make sure I'm getting yeah. it right. And the five are, and this is where I'll probably need your help. So connect, notice, volunteer, exercise, and learn. Yeah, well done. <laughs> yeah. And it's just about bringing those those aspects to your life I guess making sure that you're taking I mean volunteering for me was brilliant making sure I'm learning making sure I'm noticing my own habits and I think a, a bit around the noticing piece um around choosing the life that you wish to live notice what makes you happy even if it's the smallest things like the tiniest yes. little things change <laughs> change my life so I, I just had in my head that I wanted to be able to go for a coffee when I wanted to go for a coffee and I wanted to walk through a town with a coffee in my hand. And it sounds ridiculous, but that one thing has made me realise actually it wasn't about the coffee. It was about the autonomy. It was about the freedom. It was about stepping away from the institution for a little bit. And then I, I do that in my week and it brings me so much joy, that tiny little thing. And I think just stepping in tiny choices to that bigger picture of what is your, what, what are you creating? Because that's what you're doing with your life. You're creating the life that you want to live. And are you taking tiny steps to the one that you want to live? Or do you feel like you've been walked down a path that you don't necessarily want to be on? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. completely agree. I think the principles of the work I do is the principle number one is our well-being is made up of our small everyday choices. And it feel, you know, it's not, it's not the holiday in the Bahamas. It's not the, you know, it's not the escaping from our life. Our life is our life. And if it's busy and packed and what, what are the tiny little choices we can make every day and getting a coffee or, you know, there's small choices we can make every day that, that make us happy and bring us joy. And they don't have to be big time-consuming, expensive things. In fact, they're rarely those things. Yeah. I'm sure you're finding with your boys just spending time with yeah. them, playing with them, reading with them, you know. Duplo, Lego, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Train track, that time is just amazing. And like, yeah, it's so precious. It's brilliant. Yeah, tiny little choices really do lead you towards that bigger, you know, more of the life you wish to live for sure. Yeah, yeah. And the final part in that sentence teaches the possibilities are endless. So what would you say to somebody who's listening to this saying, yeah, I don't know that I can keep going this way, that I'm thinking of leaving? What would you say to that person? I'd say you're not wrong for feeling this way. If you feel this way, don't make yourself wrong for feeling like that. You know, explore what it is that you, you're not comfortable with right now. You know, it might be the setting. It might be, I'd, I'd really get them to take some time and some space with what is it, like really analyse what it is about your day and about, you know, and interesting things come out from that. Because again, the tiny little pieces that come out. Um, I was listening to somebody tell me the other day that they really want to be able to walk their dog. And again, it's it's not just about the walking the dog aspect. It's about, you know, looking after themselves, the well-being, the autonomy, the freedom, um and so from those tiny little bits of your day that you dislike think about what it is how you could make changes and you're not powerless in any way shape or form in this I'd say that you've got way more power and way more choice than you think you do and that's the whole empowerment in a nutshell really you've got so much potential the possibilities are endless a lot of people I mean when you google what can I leave after teaching what can I do after I've left teaching? Ignore that. It's an algorithm. It's rubbish. You know, a lot of the time it says you could be, a, you know, tutor and that's it. And you could do, it's not true. You could do whatever you want to do. And that might even be staying in teaching, which a lot of the people yes. that come to empowerment stuff find. They think they need to leave teaching and they realize actually, no, it might just be a different sector or it might just be just tiny changes within where they currently are having that difficult conversation with a staff member a lot of the time you know managing upwards a lot of the time it's that when I talk to people they just don't they've come to a place where they feel like they have to leave because they they don't want to have that difficult conversation to say to their line manager or their SLT listen this is making me feel like this mm, gosh that's a whole other yeah. episode I do I do um difficult conversation I do leadership training in schools and that's probably one of the hardest conversations to have is an upward conversation because you know where it, it, it's a it's a tough thing to do we're not trained to do that we don't know how to talk to somebody above us you know above us you know in the in the traditional sense of that how do we even have those conversations and that requires skill and requires courage to say this isn't working or this, yeah, I'm struggling here or something is wrong, you know, whatever, to have those difficult conversations upwards. Yeah, one of the things that I'm proud of actually on Empowerment Line, um, sorry, on Empowerment Online is that um, Andy Book has shared some of his difficult conversation training 
Um, it's the same difficult conversation training that I used when I came to a really tough point at school um, with my head teacher. And I felt so grateful to him for putting it on there because they can just go on and have a little look at it and use that script. Um, it sort of shows the tools of how to do that. So, yeah, if anybody's feeling like that out there, please go and have a look at that and see if you can apply it to your situation. Yeah, it's definitely a skill to learn. And my friend Sonia Girl has a great book, Successful Difficult Conversations in Schools. It's brilliant. So I'd recommend that as well. There are resources to help build up your skills in these areas. And it's really a huge skill to have. One final thing you wanted to mention about the Teacher Five a Day Week on the 30th of November. What's happening there? Lots and lots of things. So it's going to be hosted off the um, Teacher Empowerment Project website. So that's teacherempowermentproject.co.uk. There's going to be a whole Teacher Five a Day takeover. So there'll be a page dedicated to Teacher Five a Day. There's also going to be resources on empowerment online, which is all free to view um, for lots of different well-being. Um, and so many, so much different content. There's going to be live streams, webinars. Um, yeah, lots going on in that week, and it's going to be based around the five principles of you know notice, learn, connect. Um, exercise and volunteer so lots of well-being and it we, it's very much needed at the moment isn't it we need to look after our teachers for sure yeah without a doubt Catherine thank you so much for your time thank it's you. been really great to speak with you <laughs> thank you for putting up with my cold as well I'm a, bit, a little bit I don't normally sound, <laughs> sound this nasal <laughs> You're, it's totally fine. Thank you for your time. I've been speaking with Catherine Grice. You can connect with Catherine on Twitter at Teacher Empower, on Facebook, again, at Teacher Empower, on Instagram, Teacher underscore Empowerment underscore Project. This is all on the show notes, so don't feel like you need to memorise this if you're driving home. Thinking, oh, no, no, no. Uh, her website is teacherempowermentproject.co.uk. Catherine, thank you so much for thank joining Thank you. Me. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. Now check out our website, pursuitwellbeing.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, please hit the subscribe button in your podcast app. And if you feel inspired, please rate and review it and share it with your friends. I love getting your feedback and learning how we can improve our program.